Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Uh, Take your Bibles, please. Turn over to the Psalms. Uh, Psalm number 150. Um, I love when God organizes things. Uh, the message that the Lord's put on my heart uh, this morning when Pastor uh, said, would you like to go ahead and preach? And I don't know an evangelist worth its salt. <laughs> I would say no. Uh, and then the message that I, I prepared uh, is just exactly what the preacher's just been singing about. And I love when the Lord does that. Uh, that song that I just want to thank you, Lord. Uh, and then just talking about how good God is. Uh, and I, 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 again, I, I'm running for Congress now, and it's a roller coaster ride. One day you'll be up here, one day you'll be down there. And uh, it just got in my heart and convicted me. How dare we to be depressed? How dare we be down when we have such a great and mighty and powerful Lord who has been so very, very good to us? That was convicting to my heart, and it was encouraging to me, and I needed it, brother. Uh, he's one of those preachers that can preach, sing, and play piano, so I don't like it. <laughs> It was good, brother. I, I appreciate it. Uh, if you found your uh, place, did I tell you where to turn yet? I did. Okay. If you have found your place in the uh, Psalms, if you'd stand, please, to honor the reading of God's perfect, preserved, inspired, infallible, unchanging Word. If you have any doubts where I stand, that should clear them up for you. Uh, there's only six verses to this chapter, so I'm just going to go ahead and read all six. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with a psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. When I was in school, they taught me if you were ever writing something, at the very end in your concluding statement, you reemphasize what is your main point. This is the longest book in the Bible. This is the last chapter, the last verse. I think I know the main point. We should be praising the Lord. That's what we're going to focus on today with His blessings and power. Uh, So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your throne today. We offer you, Father, praise, for you are worthy of all praise. Father, I ask you to clean our dirty hands, our dirty hearts. We have wallowed out in the filth of this world. In our own pride, I ask you, Father, that you would forgive us by the blood, by the sacrifice of your perfect and holy Son, Jesus Christ. Would you bless us today with your Holy Spirit's presence to do a work in each heart and life from my own Father to the youngest little kid in the nursery, I ask, Father, we go out of this place praising you, honoring you, being more like you for the time that we spent with your word and with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you ahead of time, Father. Amen 
and amen. Thank you, and please be seated. You have to give every sermon a title or they'll come and take away your, uh, your, uh, your Baptist title. Uh, so the t- title of this one I get from verse number 6. It says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So the title is, praise the Lord or hold your breath, take your pick. Because that's what the Bible says. Now notice what it says there in the first uh, verse there. It says, praise ye the Lord. One of the reasons I like to use the old King James Bible is because of the ye and the thee. Now some people say that's the reason they don't like it. Well, let me tell you the reason why that is good. Uh, Because in modern English, we just use the word you. And the word you can mean just one person, like Miss Brittany, or maybe you can mean you, everybody in the church. Uh, and, uh, but we don't use ye and thee, we just use you. If you realize they translated the King James in 1611, English-speaking people had stopped using ye and thee already. They had not used that for nearly 400 years. So why would these guys put ye and thee in there when English-speaking people had already stopped that? Tell you exactly the reason why. It's because it gives you a better understanding of what is being said. In the original Hebrew and Greek, it has more specific words. Uh, thee, thy, thine, T words, singular, means one person. Y words like ye and you are plural. And so that way I know uh, when uh, uh, Jesus is speaking in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Satan has desired to sift ye as wheat. He's like, I want, he's, Satan wants all of you guys. But what did he go on to say to Peter? He says, but I have prayed for thee, singular. And when thou art converted, you go strengthen the brethren. And when he was rose from the dead, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. And so we get some specific meanings here. And notice what it says in verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Not just a preacher, not just who's doing the song, uh, not just a Sunday school teacher. It is a job of the entire church to praise the Lord. And this is not a suggestion, not a ought to. This is a period. This is a declarative statement. This is something that is a command. Now, when do we get to do that in the church? Uh, And we don't really get to do it too much in the preaching time. That's what we get to do during the song service time. That is when we can lift up holy hands. I mean, we sang a song, glory to his name. Now, I'll tell you what's sad is so often we, we've sung these songs. I, if you've been in church, uh, I've been blessed to be raised in church my whole life. Praise the Lord for that. And you get to a point where you can say every verse and on automatic while you're thinking about your grocery list. And the trouble is, is we sing these songs, which are great, and they've got a lot, of God, a lot of good doctrine and words in there, but we kick into automatic. And we're like, glory to his name, thinking, you know, games today. And we don't take time to think about I'm supposed to be singing to the creator of the universe. And if I have done this right, he has allowed me to come into the heavenly throne for the king of the universe to have time, and I'll be allowed, I'm thinking about something else while I'm talking to him. How disrespectful. It should be glory, glory to his name, lifting up uh, our holy hands. And let's holy hands. We'll talk about that more in a second. The uh, Bible says, when you enter into His gates, what does it say? Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and praise. That's a great way to start off every single service. You know what? I'm going to need things from the Lord. I need comfort. I need guidance. Maybe you need healing. A way to enter in is not asking. A way to enter in is with thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you kept me from. And I praise you for what, all these things. 
That is a good way to start a letter when you write somebody. That is a good way to enter God's house. And in fact, that's the way the Lord said to enter into His presence. God inhabits praise. That's what the Scripture tells us. If you want God to show up, you know a way to do that? Start praising the Lord. You know who comes to church every single week? The devil. The devil comes every single week. And you know what drives devils crazy? Is praising the Lord with a genuine spirit and heart. I have found in my uh, years I've been in the ministry that the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. It does not take too much for somebody in the flesh just to start showing and magnifying that flesh for the Holy Spirit to get up and walk out the back door. And you know what? The, the spirits in general, those evil spirits too, are the same way. If you go up there and you start praising the Lord, they don't like that and they get up and they walk out. And I found that is exactly the way you got, if you brought a bad spirit with you, you just start thanking God for everything that He has done for you, what He's kept you from, and pretty soon that dark evil spirit's going to walk out the door. That's a wonderful way to get started on that. And I like good Bible words. When you're, somebody's up here and they're preaching or they're singing and there's something just great God has done, and if you were to say, amen, you know what amen means? It means so be it. That's like, I, that right there, that's true. And you may have somebody who's new in the faith, who's visiting, or maybe somebody, just a visitor to the church, and the preacher's up here talking about the importance of the blood. And then uh, somebody said, well, amen. You know what that means? They're like, huh, that, that must be something that they all believe around here. That must be something important. And you know what? That encourages not only the pastor, saying amen to a Baptist preacher is like saying sick him to a dog, all right? That's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like that. Amen. And the more that you amen, the better sermon you're going to get. And I tell you something, good Bible words, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. That's a word we don't hear very often in the sanctuary. But you know what? That is a good Bible word. The word hallelujah is the ancient Hebrew word which translates to praise ye the Lord. If you were to read this in Hebrew, you'd keep seeing the word hallelujah. The word yah is the Old Testament name for God the Father. And so you have hallelujah. And that's why I don't like people out there in this world and they've got something wicked going on and they'll say, well, hallelujah. You realize that's using the name of God the Father in vain. Thou shalt not use the name of God in vain. These are good, solid Bible words. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. As long as it's in English, we'll get along just fine. Uh, if it starts in something else, we might have to do a little Bible study. All right. Uh, but these are good things. And I have noticed uh, whenever I uh, will uh, go to out to a funeral sometimes. I have to preach a funeral, or uh, sometimes I like to walk through the cemetery. Uh, I just like to think about the different things. I got, a I got a great sermon one time, walking through the cemetery called Voices from the Grave. All these people could talk. And you notice what I've never noticed when I'm walking through a cemetery? Nobody talks to me and interrupts me. Dead people don't talk. Uh, my grandfather, when, he, when I was a little boy, I'd go stay with him. He had a cemetery behind his backyard, and he said, well, let's just go out walking and talking. And I was scared. He says, it's not dead people who cause you problems. It's all the live ones who cause you problems. And ever since then, it wouldn't bother me. But you know what? Whenever we walked through the cemetery, I never heard nothing. It's a sign of dead. And when you go into a church and it's silent as a grave, you know what's a sign of? Dead church. When you get there, people are talking, and you hear an amen. You hear a praise the Lord. People are fellowshipping. That's a sign of a live church. I'll tell you one of the things that I've noticed in evangelism for 13 years is whenever the last amen is said, how quickly did the people hit the door? If they're all out the door in about 60 seconds, and I've seen that a lot, not a good sign. 
if they stay until the preacher's like, well, y'all go home. I, I mean, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's a good sign of a good, healthy church. Having little kids, that's a good sign of a healthy church. I was talking to Brother Joe this morning. I go to way too many churches, and I'm at 50 now, will be the youngest person there. You know what's going to happen in another 15, 20 years? That church will not exist. Having kids in the church, and if they cry, let them cry. If a Baptist preacher can't preach louder than a screaming kid, he doesn't deserve to be a Baptist preacher. All right, amen right there. One of the things I was talking about earlier, lifting up holy hands when you praise the Lord. And that's what the Bible talks about, lifting up holy hands. And uh, there's two things with that. First of all, lifting up the hands. Whenever the ancient Hebrews would pray, they would pray when they were asking God for something, they would pray like this. You ever see some people, some of those traditional Jews at the Wailing Wall even now, and they'll pray like this. They're asking God for something. Put it in my hand. But whenever they would lift up their holy hands and they lift up their hand, they were giving something to God. And that's where we got the tradition nowadays when somebody's just, God's been good, and they just go like this. That is back to the ancient tradition of lifting up holy hands to praise God. And let them be holy hands. God is not going to accept praise if we are dripping with the sin of this world. Now, we can fool people. We can put on a good front. Uh, I remember the story of Adam and Eve. They go out there and they commit sin, and then they realize, oh, no, we've committed sin. So what do they do? They make for themselves aprons. You know what an apron covers? The front. Never covers the back. Like you ever go to the hospital and they give you that little thing, there's nothing, you back away from people because there's nothing back there. But it's a front, and people are very good at putting on fronts. They know what words to say. Again, I, I, politicians, I deal with the politicians, they can be as liberal and leftist as you can uh, never want to know, but they know everything that a conservative person wants to hear, and they will tell you anything you want to hear. One of the reasons I'm running for Congress. And you know what? We are the same way. We'll come into church. How many perfect people do we have? All the people who have attained spiritual perfection, raise your hand. You pastor more than a year here and you have no perfect people? There is none righteous, no, not one. I don't know what sin is in your life. We all just admitted we are not perfect. We all have some problem in our lives. Did anybody walk in? I know what usually happens in most churches is that the pastor will greet people as they're coming in to service. And usually the thing is, is, how are you today? I've never heard somebody say, Pastor, I've got a sin problem in my life. I sure hope you got something from the Lord to help me. You know what everybody says? I'm fine. And while that's the polite thing to say in our society, I hope we will come into the church house saying, you know what, I walked in with a sin problem and I all just admitted it. Come as you are. Do not leave as you came. And you know what? We can come there and say, you know what, Father, I cannot lift up a holy hand right now because the Holy Spirit has just pricked my heart and said, I have put some kind of sin, some kind of filth in my life, and it is keeping me from your presence. And I don't want to be from your presence. You can take care of that right now in your pew. You can come down. If you want to come down in the middle of service, it will not bother me. And nobody's going to sit down and say, oh, well, look at her down here. She must be wicked. You know what that is? That's somebody else that says, you know what, I'm wicked. It reminds me of the story where Jesus one time had this guy who was very religious, and he stood over there, and there was this other guy who was known for wicked, and he, he was too ashamed to even go up front, and he just beat his chest, and he said, Lord, forgive me because I'm a sinner. And God looked at that man and was pleased and forgave him. And the very well-dressed religious person 
went back home with his sin and felt very comfortable about it. It's to lift up holy hands. I remember when I was in the service, I was stationed over in South Carolina. We had a, an older preacher there. Uh, he's probably passed on by now. He'd be 100, uh, 100 plus. Uh, he grew up in the 1930s out in the county in South Carolina. And he's like, we didn't have any electricity hardly out there at all. There's no lights and there's nothing really to do. He said, so the fun thing that all the little boys would like to do when it was Halloween night is to go around all the farmers' houses and to push over their outhouse. And they thought that was the funniest thing that you could ever do, pushing over outhouses. And some of you are laughing because you're like, yeah, we used to do that. <laughs> so uh, so uh, Brother Johnny, he told the story. Uh, he says, well, one day there was this farmer, we'll call him Farmer Brown, I forget his name. Farmer Brown got tired of every November the 1st having to put his outhouse back up. So on the sunset of October 31st, he picks his outhouse up and he moves it five feet to the left. Then he goes inside. Well, it's dark out there. You ever been out in the county where there's like no lights? You can't see where anything is at at all. Well, here comes little Johnny with all the little neighborhood boys out in the county. And now the sun has set. I mean, it sets early that time of year. Five, six o'clock at night. And they're out there pushing over out houses and they get to Farmer Brown's property. And they're like, oh, he gets more bothered than anybody. This will be a good one. Little Johnny, you can do this. Little Johnny's maybe nine, ten years old. All right, He's out there. He's like, oh, I'll get to do this one. He's like, yeah. So he runs to go push over the outhouse, but there's the hole there now. And the outhouse is over there. And he's running. He goes, whoop. He says, I went down in that stuff, and it went up over my head. And my mouth was open. He says it was terrible. So he comes up, and he's like, and all his friends were gone. Because that's the way it is when you fall in the stuff. Your friends are going to be gone. And he says, so we tried to climb out of that hole. You ever been digging a hole out in the yard and like the hose gets water in there and you can't dig a good clean hole because the dirt keeps clumping into your hole. He's like, this, these walls were covered in all that stuff. He says, I couldn't get out because it kept clumping in. He says, I was down there two, three hours. There was a time I didn't think I was going to get out of that stuff. And of course, it is cold on October 31st after sunset. And you're in all this stuff. He says he finally claws his way out of that stuff. Now, in the neighborhood I grew up in, in the 1970s, your parents could beat you, and that was perfectly legal, all right? In public, the mayor would say, that's fine, they need to beat you, all right? Can't do that anymore. Uh, so I lived in the neighborhood where if the neighbor saw me doing something wrong, they called home, and there was a beating waiting on me. They didn't even see me do it just based on what the neighbor said. Well, little Johnny lived in the same kind of neighborhood. So I guess Farmer Brown or Mrs. Farmer Brown called, and little Johnny, he's walking home all alone, cold, chafed, all across the county, covered in this stuff, and he finally gets home, and his father is meeting him on the front porch. And he's like, oh, daddy, 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 and he wants a hug from his father, just a little fella. Uh, and he says, no, don't get near me, boy, not while I had stuff on you. Strip. He's like, but it's cold. He said, you're not coming in the house with that stuff stripped down. He's like, but it's outside. He's like, that's stripped. So he strips down there his birthday suit. He's like, can I come in now? It's so cold. And he's like, no, you still got it all over you. So he turns around, and he turns on the garden hose. You ever felt garden hose water October 31st? It's cold. And he's like, turn around, boy, turn around. And so he's just dancing around. He's cold. He's chafed. He's afraid. He said, didn't my father let me come in the house? And he warmed me up right good. And you all know what I mean, but I say that. Now, here's the reason he told that story and the reason I tell it to you. The Bible says that our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. 
when someone does me wrong, and then I will be a blessing to them, maybe even secretly a blessing so they don't even know. That is righteousness. When I forgive and somebody didn't even ask me to forgive because God said forgive. That is our righteousness. And compared to a holy God, it says your righteousness is like those filthy rags that were down there in that cell. Compared to a holy God. And then we go out in this world and we do stuff that we obviously don't have too much of a problem with. But we all just admitted that we got some kind of a problem in our lives. And we want to come in the church house and then we want to lift up a hand and say, well, glory to God. Father, can I come into your presence? Father, I, I need comfort. Will you just hug on me for a little while? And God the Father says, not with that stuff on you. You cannot come into my presence. You cannot come inside my house with that stuff and expect me to be there with you. You want to praise God? First thing we got to do is we got to get clean. Not just a little clean. And I hope the Holy Spirit right now prick your heart because David prayed, he says, Lord, reveal to me those secret sins. He's not talking about the ones he's hidden from other people. He's talking about ones that you've hidden in your own conscience and you don't even think it's a sin anymore. It's like if you're walking down the street and the shoe, a rock gets in your shoe and you go, boom, the first time you take a step, it's like, ouch, got a rock in my shoe. But you know what? If you get busy and you forget to take that rock out, the next day you're like, oh, still got that rock in my shoe. And you leave it in there. The longer you leave it in there, the more callous it gets. And pretty soon you don't even know you got a rock in your shoe. Doesn't bother you anymore. Somebody else puts it on, immediately it bothers them. Holy Spirit's the same way. We got stuff in our lives that we've let be there for years where it doesn't bother us anymore. It bothers God Almighty who is holy. Holy, holy, holy. It's what the seraphims say all day long circling the throne. Holy, holy God. We, got you. we shouldn't be able to keep it in, really. I don't know if it's happened here. It's happened in every other Baptist church I've ever been in my life. Is that sometimes a preacher will get up and say, all right, who's got a word of testimony tonight? And you know what I see happen way too often? Nothing. Who's got a word of testimony? Cricket. And then one of two things happens. Either one, the preacher will say, well, God's good, and he just moves on, and we're all just going to ignore and act like that weird thing that happened didn't happen. And, that's, and you've probably seen that. And I'll tell you the second thing that happens is that after it's silent and it's kind of awkward, and the preacher's just like, I'm not letting you off the hook, somebody stands up and says, well, uh, I want to praise the Lord for saving me. And then the second person says, uh, well, I want to praise the Lord for saving me and, uh, and for this church. And the third guy says, well, I want to praise the Lord for saving me for this church and, uh, and for our pastor. And you've all been sitting in those services. You know where the devil is right now? The devil is not in hell. It's actually a work of fiction, thinking that the devil is the king of hell. He is not. He's not there. The Bible says that the devil right now is in heaven. He is standing in front of the throne of God the Father, accusing the brethren. And you know what happens on those services, and I'm sure they're going on right now all across the United States? The devil's saying, hey, hey, look there, God. I accuse them of being a bunch of fake people who don't even love you. I mean, look at that. Lord, help us. Let's say that uh, it's, it's getting ready to be Valentine's Day. Getting ready to be Valentine's Day. And my wife says, well, it's Valentine's Day. You might take her to the most romantic restaurant in Lexington. And we have the most sumptuous meal. And then she says, well, tell me that you love me. And I'm like, well, I love you, dear. She's like, why? Um, 
I love you because uh, you, you gave me two beautiful children and one ugly one. No, we only have two. All right. They're both beautiful. She says, well, why else? Uh, I love you because you gave me two beautiful children and uh, you, you keep a good house. Why else? Uh, I love you because you gave me uh, two beautiful children, a clean house, and uh, uh, you, you've kept yourself up real beautiful all these years. Am I now in her good graces? I'm sleeping not on the couch. I'm sleeping on my neighbor's couch. And yet that is what we offer to God, and he is not impressed. You go to Walmart right now, and there'll be somebody up front that'll say, hey, I'm glad you're at Walmart. We know he wouldn't care if I was at Walmart if they weren't paying him $13 an hour, but it's nice to hear. Doesn't work the same thing with God. He knows what's in your heart. Let us lift up holy hands. It should be something bursting from us. Uh, it's just like uh, I, I grew up in the 70s, and there was a TV show that was called Welcome Back, Cotter. And Mr. Cotter was a teacher, and he had the worst screwy bunch of students that you'd ever want to see. And the worst screwiest one of them all was this kid named Horshack. And the people in the 70s all just laughed, all right? Uh, so whenever Mr. Cotter, as they would call him, would ask a question, everybody else was too cool to answer the question. Washington and Bobby and all them. And Horshack, he was not too cool to answer the question. He's like, oh, call me, Mr. Cotter. Call me, call me over here. Over here, Mr. Cotter. I, wanted, I got him to call me. You know, that's the way it ought to be when the preacher says, who's got a word of praise for the, uh, the Lord tonight? Who's got a testimony? You know what there ought to be? Oh, boy, I hope the preacher calls on me. Now, I'm not saying you've got to act like a fool, like Horshack. But you know what? It ought to be in your heart saying, gee, I hope the preacher will call on me. I want to just brag on the Lord on how good God is. Because he's been good to me, and he's worthy of praise, not only to him, he is worthy of praise in public. You got people struggling with depression? You know how to cure that? Somebody says, don't you how good God is? I'll tell you how else good God is. I'll tell you how good God's been to me. And after a while, they're like, you know what? God's been good to me too. That's the way cure a lot of that stuff. Nowadays, you want to cure it all with a pill. You know what? I think we cure a whole lot of this stuff with praise. Praise the Lord because he is worthy of all praise. But some people say, well, uh, Brother Lee, I'm just not that emotional of a person. I'm not saying you have to get up here and blubber. Some people that is in their nature and some people it is not. And I know when it's uh, genuine and when it's put on too. And so does the Holy Spirit. And I've been in some good services where somebody just gets up and they go to give a testimony and all they can do is sit there and, and do this and God's all over that. And then I've been other places where somebody tries to do the same thing and there's just like a big red light flashing saying flesh, flesh, flesh. And the Holy Spirit gets up and walks out the door. Everything must be done without the flesh. But you know what? It's okay to show emotion. Sometimes you can be very calm. But I don't buy these people say they're not emotional. I'd like to see those same people watching the game tonight not being emotional. I remember my little girl came up to me a few years ago when she was, uh, it's been several years ago now, uh, and uh, it was her birthday. And I said, Hattie Bear, what do you want for your birthday? She said, Daddy, I want to go to a monster truck rally. Do I look like a monster truck rally kind of guy? But my little girl wants to go. We're going to go. So I get on my most casual suit, and we go to Monster Truck Rally. No, I don't wear a suit. Uh, and so uh, that we, I found one. It was going to be over in Lexington in Diddle Arena. Uh, not Diddle, that's Western. Uh, Rupp Arena. Rupp Arena. Uh, so in the basketball court. They usually have these things out in some big arena out in the field, but this one's in the basketball court. So they just covered over all the wood with some dirt. They put, you know, you usually got a big old pile of dirt where the junk trucks jump over. Well, they don't have that much space there, so the pile of dirt was maybe as high as this communion table. Uh, so uh, the trucks all come out, and there's a, maybe 20 trucks. Well, when you get 20 trucks, 
of those big monster trucks on a basketball court, there's hardly any room for them to move. So they just kind of drive around in a circle doing about 15, 20 miles an hour. And everybody went, whoo, isn't that amazing? And then instead of rumping up over this big thing of dirt, they can go just like, bloop, and just kind of drive over it. My Chevy Cruze would do what they were doing. Uh, and then they've got, uh, uh, you know, they usually run over all the old cars and squish them down. Well, it's, they got 20 trucks out there, so they could only fit one old car. Well, after the second truck went over it again, my Chevy would drive over that thing. But the people hooped, and they hollered, and they screamed, and there was a guy sitting in front of me. If he was a day, he was 75, and I guess he had his grandson with him. He said, now, boy, that's something worth doing in your life. And when they left that, after, uh, that evening, the people were hoarse because they had screamed and yelled, and the trucks were so loud that you really had to be uh, yelling high to, to hear anything uh, at all. I, and that was a Saturday night. I would have loved to have been with those same people at their church the next morning. Well, I don't like to show my emotion in public. Baloney. I don't care if you blubber or not, as long as it's genuine from the heart. God sees the heart. Man sees the outside. We ought to be praising the Lord, and nobody should have to beg you to do it. It should be bursting from within your bones. We also need to praise God because this is the good times. I know this last two years here in the United States has been kind of rough. Uh, I've, been, I've been really trying to fight all I can to stand up against this craziness that's going on right now. If anybody, if you watch my stuff, you know I've been fighting left and right. But even with all that's going on, and with 7.5% inflation, and gas prices 100% more than they were a year or so ago, and, and food prices 25% more, you know what? This is still the good times. I remember when I was in the service, they sent me to Kosovo one time. And Kosovo, an incredibly poor nation. And we're driving down the street one day, and you can see through people's houses because they use mud for the mortar between the rocks. I mean, Stone Age technology. And we're driving down this very poor village, and all these little kids start following behind the vehicle. Got a little Humvee there. And I said, well, these kids, I guess these kids don't see a lot, of, a lot of vehicles at all, let alone a Humvee. And uh, the guy driving, I was riding shotgun, the guy driving says, no, that's not it, Sergeant Watts. See, they want us to pull over and give them something to eat. And these little kids, they're not like the kids here. Kids here are the way they should be. These little kids have very pronounced cheekbones, skinny little faces, skinny little hands, because these kids are starving. And I had a nice meal at the chow hall that morning, and when we left to go out on patrol, there was a sign that says, when you come back tonight, we're having burritos. And I had, uh, anybody been in service? We got any veterans in the room tonight? All right, we got a few. You guys know what MRE is. MRE is something they give you in the military. It's called a meal ready to eat. It's food in a bag. And so, and I had that. So I'd had a nice breakfast. I've got lunch with me, and I got burritos waiting on me when I get back to base. And I got starving children running behind the vehicle begging for food, and I felt this big. So I, I turned to the guy. I said, Sergeant Barry, pull over, pull over. I, I want to give the guys, I want to give these little kids my lunch. I, could, I couldn't bear to eat a bite of that stuff. He says, can't do that, Sergeant Watts. I said, why not? It's my lunch. He says, if you pull over and get out, these kids are going to mob you and then there's starving adults in all these houses, and they're going to mob you, and I will have to shoot people to pull you out of there to get you out of life. And I'm unwilling to do that. He said, I'll slow down. You can open the door and toss out the stuff if you want. I said, slow down. The inside of an MRE bag is a bunch of individual bags of each item. 
So I, I reach in and grab out the first thing. First is the biggest thing. It's always the meat. And it just said meat slice. Now, we in the U.S., we make fun of that one. It doesn't say what kind of meat. It just says meat slice. But meat to a starving child. Those kids don't care anything if they got a PS5. That is worthless garbage to them. Probably don't have electricity in their village. They don't want the latest iPhone. Who cares? I'm starving to death. I've got a package that just says it's meat inside of here. I toss that one out. Some of the older boys, they just sit on that. And they start fist fighting, literally fighting for their food for their life. I get to the next thing, green beans. Most kids nowadays, you couldn't force them to eat green beans. Green beans to a little kid that had one meal in a week. That's cold. Put out the green beans. I put out a little thing of crackers. They're fighting tooth and nail literally over crackers. I get to the last little thing. It was a little dessert thing. I think a little brownie. I get to the last little thing and I pass it out. There's this little fella. Probably, probably about her age. Skinny. Threadbare Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Somebody in the States probably had all their kids wear that. Washed it so much it got threadbare so they donated it to charity. And somehow it made its way over to the mountains of Kosovo. It's wintertime. No coat, far colder than it's out today. And this little fellow's out there running in his ripped up pants, his little Mickey Mouse t-shirt, and I pass out the last thing and he descends on that thing. He's trying to get the plastic open. He, he finally gets it open, he takes this stuff out, and then one of the bigger boys had come up, grabs it, and shows it in his face real quick. And I just, as we drove away, I saw that little fellow looking at his hand. I had food in my hands, and I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't strong enough. I could have lived another few days. And I couldn't really even blame the bigger kid that took it. He started to. And you know what we do here in the States? We go to church. Afterwards, we'll go to KFC or the Cracker Barrel. We'll go back to the house. We'll have a plate loaded up with food. And we say, dear Jesus, thank you for all this food. Please bless everybody I know. Heal everybody who's sick. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's eat. You go to lunch today. Mostly you go to your refrigerator, you open it up. Our biggest concern is, can I eat all of this before it goes bad so I can fill it all up again? I don't care how rough it's got the last two years. You praise God that you live in the good times and you were privileged to be born here. Why did God say you are allowed to be born here and that little fellow was born over there? Praise God! Praise God! I had to send my children to bed sometimes after I would discipline them and I could hear them cry. But I never had to hear them cry themselves to sleep because they were hungry. We are an ungrateful people. We were in Sunday school this morning and the dear sister said, we're getting older. And as we get older, you know what? We rely on the Lord more. And I thank God that I got in my house without falling down. I thank God we were able to drive before it got too dark because our eyes don't see the way it used to. And the more dependent we are on God, the more we're talking to God, the more we're praising Him, the closer that He is to us. Praise God in the good times. And then finally, and I'll let you all go tonight. Praise God in the bad times. When things are going good, and in your prayer time, you're just like, Lord, I just want to start. I'm not going to ask it. I'm just going to start thanking you for stuff. I think God is pleased. 
But you know what? When something goes wrong, and you've been wronged, and hard times are hard, and your heart is broke, and you sit down in prayer, and instead of asking God for stuff, you're just like, God, I just want to thank you. This is broke now, but you know what, Lord? It's not been broke for all of these years. And when your heart is broke and you praise God anyway, I think God is more impressed with that. You might call over Gabriel or Michael says, come here, come here a second, look at that. They're suffering and they're offering me praise. Write that down in my book of remembrance. My mother, my dear sainted mother, I lost my mom about two and a half years ago. I guess closer to three now. Always known for being a very beautiful woman. Uh, she was a piano player, and uh, every, every day, uh, every service, growing up as a kid, uh, they'd have the offering, and then my mom would sing a special. She was known for her singing voice, uh, and I heard my mother sing tens of thousands of times in different services, uh, would sing all across the state at meetings. And then mom got a, some kind of disease where the little sacks on your lungs would open and close, they were turning hard, and they wouldn't open and close anymore. The elasticity was gone, and so she started... Uh, getting short of breath, and it got to a point where she wasn't able to sing anymore because you got to be able to have good breath to sing a song. Uh, and then she got to where uh, it was hard, really, uh, to walk around and go and go shopping because less and less of those little sacks are working. And everywhere she went, it's like she just finished running. And then she got to where she couldn't sing. She got where she couldn't go to church. She got to where she couldn't go to town. And then it was, you know what? It was hard to walk around the house to do stuff. Because it was like you've been running and you're trying to breathe through a straw. And of course, no oxygen, that makes your energy go down. And so she got to a point where she got bedridden. And then it got to where if you've just finished where you've been running hard as you can for several minutes, and then you try to eat something, you know how hard that is? You're like, <sighs> she couldn't hardly eat because she couldn't get enough air. And then Mother's Day came around after this has been going on for a few years. And... I knew, she knew, my dad knew, this is my mother's last Mother's Day. You want to go see Mama, you need to do it now, son. So I drive over to see Mom and Dad, and she is down to 80-some pounds because she can't get enough air to eat. Always had very long, very beautiful, uh, wavy hair. They had shaved her head entirely because they said, since you can't get out of bed, for hygiene purposes, it'd be better just to shave your head than to have your hair there. And, the, and my father tried to warn me what I was about to walk into in that bedroom, but I walked in, she looked like a Holocaust victim. Starving to death, head shaved, drying, drowning on dry land, panting for her next breath. And I walked in, I said, hello, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. How are you? And she waved me near because she couldn't talk to me at the foot of the bed. And I get up to the next to her ear, and she says, It is well. It is well. She's talking about that song I'd heard her sing so many times. It is well with my soul, starving to death, drowning, and said, It's well. My God's been good to me. Praise God in the good times. Praise God in the bad times. The verse says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. 
praise ye the Lord. I don't know the condition of your heart today. I don't know if there's something you need to get right. I don't know if there's some business you need to do with God. But right now is the time to do it. If you don't know this great holy God that we love so much, this morning would be a wonderful time to let us introduce you to Him. And you'll love Him and He already loves you. Pastor, if you would come. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.